I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. I took my microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises while we spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. I want you to enjoy this. That's the plan. How you doing, podcats? Adam Buxton here. Out for a walk in the Norfolk countryside with my beautiful dog friend, Rosie. The weather, as I speak, is, I would say, grody. It's cold, it's damp, and uh, it's, uh, it's bitey as well. So I'm not going to spend too long waffling in this intro. We're going to get into the festivities with Joe as quickly as possible. But uh, hey, merry festive non-denominational area to you. Or if you're a more religious podcat, happy Jesus party. Thank you so much for joining me. I hope you're having a nice day wherever you are, whether you're with lots of uh, people or just sat there on your own. I hope you're okay. It's good to be with you. A couple of little shout outs before we get into the main podcast. The first is a message from Joseph Lyon. This is one of the messages we got sent a couple of weeks ago that were posted on my blog. I asked people to send in stuff that we might read out on the Christmas podcast. I don't normally read stuff out from listeners, but, um, you know, it's Jesus party time, so it's different. And uh, are you ready, Joseph Lyon's family and friends? Here we go. Joe says, my wife, Amory and myself are having a baby. No one knows yet. They do now, Joe. Would be great if you could just let them all know. I just did that, Joe. Cheers. Cheers to you, Joe. Congratulations. And I wish you all the very best for the new arrival in 2019. Another quick shout out. Now, people sometimes say to me, oh, Buckles, thank you so much for the absolutely free, great, great podcast. I wish there was some way that I could repay your generosity. Well, there is. You could support BEAM, B-E-A-M. They are a charity that provides a better way to help a person who has become homeless than just giving them a few pennies. And I would say that it is way better than just walking past them and feeling guilty as well as slightly annoyed that you feel guilty because you didn't do anything wrong. Anyway, BEAM is a new website that offers homeless people the option of getting off the streets by providing employment training. BEAM assigns each person a caseworker who supports them through the training and into work, all the while keeping you up to date with their progress, if you so wish. Before you make up your mind about BEAM, pay them a quick visit at beam.org, which is where you can read stories from people who've been helped by BEAM so far. So see what you think. That's beam.org. I've put a little link in the description of this podcast to simplify the process for you. I'm sure your support would be much appreciated. So, the Christmas podcast, not too much to explain, I don't think. I've tried to make it family-friendly. I believe I've removed or covered up most of the swear bombs. I mean, some of the content perhaps is still a bit fruity. I don't know, but you should be okay, I think, if you're listening with the family. More or less. But I met up with Joe Cornball's Cornish earlier this month, December 2018. And we continued our tradition of getting together at this time of year, waffling, exchanging gifts and laughing wheezily. We read out a handful of messages from listeners. 
we talked a little bit about Joe's new film, The Kid Who Would Be King, which hits UK cinemas on February the 15th. 2019. Ooh, exciting. There's also in the podcast a visit from the Queen. There's the premiere of a couple of songs from Buckleton the Musical, including some terrific rapping from Rosie. And another instalment of the Doodle Story. Don't get too excited. But we began with a Christmassy version of one of our old Six Music podcast jingles, which I dug out of the vaults and uh, stuck a bit of tinsel on. And that resulted in an in-depth and very festive discussion of deodorant. There goes Alan Partridge. All right, back at the end for a couple more festive shout-outs. But right now, here we go. Hey, you, that's right, you. What the hell do you think you're doing, chum? Sitting and waiting for disaster to come. When there's a Christmas podcast about to start. Where am I from? I don't know. Adam and Joe are here to make things right. Their vaguely festive chatter will illuminate your night. Your spirits will be lifted. Your problems will be solved. Unless they're really serious, then we just can't get involved. They got together in a Christmas podcast hut. They had some holy water and a special festive nut. They gave each other gifts. They read some stuff you sent in. And Adam went to school with the boy whose name was Quentin. Is that true? I did, yeah. He was the person that first told me I needed deodorant. Really? Yeah. That's a terrible day for everybody. It's a sad day, isn't it? And they hear they need deodorant. Do children not need deodorant? Oh, yeah, they definitely do. All through their youth? Well, it depends. Or does there come a day when it's like... There comes a day, yeah. Oh, you stink. It's happened with my children. They reach... What age? Well, it varies massively depending it's got on younger. your maturity level. I think in the olden days it used to... Well, it used to be much younger because they used to work in pits. <laughs> and in, in armpits. In armpits. They used to work in giant adult armpits. They provided the stink for yeah, the armpits. The stench. They didn't actually have the stench. I don't know. Yeah, it's getting younger. The children are maturing quicker. quicker. They eat more crap that mm. stinks. Policemen They're, are getting younger. Policemen are getting younger. Mm. Everybody's getting younger. <laughs> We're getting older. And one day, Quentin, in the locker rooms, mm. said... Uh, who, and I thought he was a really funny guy, by the way. You I, admired him? I just thought he was a, a crack-up. You looked up to him? Yeah, he was in the year above, and he was sardonic, even right. though I didn't know that word at the so time. So his words had weight, they had value. Yeah, I thought, that's a, he's funny, I like him. Yeah. I like the way he says things. And one of the things he said one day was, God, you stink. <laughs> you need deodorant. Yes. And I was like, oh, I do, don't I? Can one smell one's own stink? It's not very Christmassy, this, is it? <laughs> so listeners should imagine that the stink we're talking about is the stink of cinnamon. Of mulled wine. That's what Santa's arm This is a way to like. make the... Exactly, and his elves. <laughs> Santa stinks of cinnamon. His elves are like pine needles. What does Mrs. Claus smell like? Regret. She has a good time because he only works, like, one day a year. Yeah, she smells of gin and mulled wine. Right. <laughs> she drinks very heavily. She That's does. why the cheeks are so rosy. <laughs> exactly. So he says you're stinky mm -hmm. and what you feel very deflated. Yeah, I was really stung and very self-conscious suddenly. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it really hurt, actually. Well, it's good that you've taken this Christmas podcast <laughs> as an opportunity to get your own back on Quentin. Let's and hope he's listening. Thus began my adventure with deodorant. First, I went for a spray. This was back in the 80s. When well, that's because was... all the adverts featured sexy torsos and a like circular camera move 
and they'd spray their whole upper body. Sure, sure. Well, it's interesting you said sure, sure, as one of the big <laughs> deodorant brands exactly. where they put a tick on the back. They right? would just spray from one side of the room to the other and the body the was whole, in the Not middle. just the body, the whole room. Yeah. That's the way to do it. But then you graduated to a, a roll, a roller? I graduated roll to the roll-on, roll-on rat, and now I'm on a stick. What is the difference between... A, oh, because it's just like a sort of solid chunk of... Because a roll-on is just a ball that dispenses a sticky that, liquid. That moisturises itself. Yeah. Like a giant biro. Exactly. Like an underarm biro. Exactly. Whereas a stick is like a piece of chalk or a lipstick. A stick is like... You're painting it on. I use a stick as well. Yeah. Yeah. My mum was the one that told me. She's always been my guru as far as A stench guru. Hygiene she's, goes. Did she sniff you as a child? Well, obviously not, because she didn't... out of your hair. She didn't uh, like catch, a gorilla. catch me being... Abs- she did do that. <laughs> did she? She did. Used to... She did. This is no, so not very Christmassy. Like, you're so rude about your mum. And Quentin. That's what Christmas and is about. Mrs. Claus. Being irreverent. It's about being honest. Brutally honest. honest. Exactly. <laughs> and what, uh, if I may ask, is the brand of your stick that you're favouring these days? Well, I was thinking about this actually in terms of mentioning brand names on your podcast. Because we were bound by very strict rules on BBC Six Music, right? In theory. But we used to always say other so-and-sos are available. Right, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. What is it? So are you bound by well, rules? Well, uh, it's a bit of a grey area. could you just mention how you love Ferraris? How difficult it is to get sometimes from your podcast appointments and how the car you'd love to be seen in, even just for a week, yeah. would be a Ferrari. Well, once I got sent a Jazz Apple mug because I mentioned that I liked Jazz Apples. Wow. <laughs> so after impressive. that, that was chastening because I thought, whoa, look, but man, this is out of control. I've got a lot of power here. I don't want to yeah. abuse it. There are YouTubers that do that professionally, right? Influencers. Influencers. And they've turned that... So it's not like something that is unheard of in the world of self-created content or whatever it's called. No, but Anything I mean... Anything goes. Well, you know, you and I, we've done adverts in the past. We've got bendy mm. principles. Mm. I wouldn't really call them adverts. <laughs> <laughs> what do you call something that has a negative effect on the sales <laughs> of the product? A sadvert. A sadvert. Something that actually damages the brand. And gets everyone fired. I suppose they haven't named it because it wasn't their intention. Yeah. I think they, the whole creative team from Virgin Mobile was fired, weren't they? <laughs> I can't remember anyway. I think, I think one team got but fired. So, um, but so, no. so when you ask me what brand of deodorant yeah. I use, my mind immediately goes to a big box of them arriving. At my house. But that probably won't happen, will it? I don't think so. I wouldn't encourage that. I'm not an influencer in that way. I'm 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 Clinique for men. Clinique for men. I'm I'm all over Clinique. Yeah. That's that's what I use to keep myself looking old and tired. How many hours of great, great protection are you getting? I don't know. I use it once a day. Right, okay. Yeah. My brand, Mitchum. Mitchum? Robert Mitchum invented it. Really? I don't know. I've never heard of that. Have you not? No. I think I'm... Well, Have I was been... aware of the women's version, but I think they brought out a version for men because... Bitchum. <laughs> it was not called Bitchum. That's so un-2018. It really That's is. That's terrible. That's the kind of thing. Oh, God. Oh, oh hashtag. Corn It's a dog joke. <laughs> it's like... That's what Rosie wears. That's what Rosie wears, yeah. Bitchum. And my mum recommended this brand because she said it was giving her incredible protection for up to 48 hours. And I think because of the success of the thing, they 
started marketing it for men as well. So how long have you been using Mitchum for? It's been in my life for around five years now. Oh, so your mum recommended it to you five years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Why are you surprised? I don't know, it's just an... It seems to me like an odd conversation for a mother to have with her son. Maybe it's the right sort of conversation. I seem to remember there was a lull in the conversation. I was reaching for something to say. (laughs) And I said, I managed to remember that I'd been thinking for the past few days, my deodorant is letting me down on a regular basis. The whole thing does sound like a commercial. It really was like a commercial. Because I was suddenly thinking like, oh man, I'm a bit whiffy. And I haven't even done that much today. What's going on? So I said that to my mum and she said, you should try (laughs) <laughs> in my voice. <laughs> yes, she changed voice totally. Really? <laughs> For my stressful routine, I like to rely on the 48-hour protection offered me by Mitchum. Wow, it's like uh, a fairy tale or Cinderella, like that they can be so precise about how long it lasts. Yeah, well, of course. Like turning into the, pu- the coach turning into a pumpkin. It's totally random, isn't like it? Like when but... the clock ticks 24, suddenly a they could say any massive number. stench. They can say any number of morons like me would totally lap it up. Mm. Anyway, hey man. Hello. How are you doing? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Good to see you. Uh, It's exciting, isn't it? It is exciting. Do you still like Christmas? Yeah. I love Christmas because there's just a nice feeling in the air. Mm. Do you know what I mean? The the collective consciousness. Right. Everybody's being nice. They are trying to be a bit nicer. And friendly. Yeah, kind of. Just for one day. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Boxing Day, the sales are back on. It's all of. Is there a news bulletin on Christmas Day? Yeah. That seems sacrilege to me. There but, should be no news, just a day with no news on mm-hmm. Christmas Day. Nothing. Everything stops. Unless there's natural disasters, they skew it towards things like people having Because nothing's fun. happening. Yeah. Generally. You know, the Except Pope, in places where they don't celebrate Christmas. They say everyone got together at the Vatican and they held candles mm. and suddenly that's news. It's a lovely day. Yeah. Particularly after a pretty tedious year of events. But, I mean, isn't it always like that these days? Yes. It's going to be like that for a while, isn't it? Until everything gets sorted out. So, anyway, we're going to ignore all that. We're not going to do much topical, except for I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here 2018. Now, (laughs) I'm I'm assuming you watched it. Mm, We watched, like, three minutes of it. And what we saw... No, that's not true. I watched a whole Noel episode. Okay. Because I was excited by Noel. Yeah, because you like Noel. Well, he's a complex, mysterious figure. There's two people you like on there that I thought, oh, Joe might like really? this. Who was there the was, other one? There was Noel Edmonds and there was Nick Knowles. So you didn't get as far as finding out that Nick Knowles has discovered that actually people didn't land on the moon. Really? And it's just been a Nick load of lies. Yeah. He's blown it wide open. Really? Mm-hmm. The whole lunar conspiracy? The whole scam. How were there two light sources on the moon? Yeah. What's that all about? It's, it's, bo- it's a load it's of bullshit. He knows the operating temperature for Kodak film, and it would not operate on the moon, because it's very cold on the moon. <laughs> so that's that's a load of baloney. He may have inhaled too much, like, glue and paint fumes. Okay. I think that way, because he's done a lot of makeovers. Yeah. Often under terrific pressure of time. And, so, <laughs> and there are spillages and accidents. He's probably hit his head. Like, if you have to renovate a whole house in 60 minutes, is that the show he does? <laughs> <laughs> then you 
cut corners chemically that can really screw your You're head up. You're not wearing the right protection. You no. should talk to Handy Andy. Yeah, he's probably got about a pint of MDF dust <laughs> cruising around his system. He, in, actually in his brain, clogging his synapses. Yeah. Like when you get banana in your laptop <laughs> <laughs> and you take it to the Apple Center and they go, well, it'll work, but only on a Nick Knowles level. Do you, do you want it or do you want to buy a new one? And he's Dave just he's just kept it going. <laughs> he's got banana under some of the keys. The logic board is water damaged. Yeah, the bit that deals with because because yeah, I mean, there's all sorts of alternative literature that would debunk that about the moon. Yeah, what you're saying to me that they actually landed on the moon? There's strong arguments in favour of that. I tell you, your problem. You've just been surrounded by yes men all the time. Danny Wallace. Film flim flam, whatever the hell you do. Uh, Maybe it's true. Yeah? And you're surrounded by all these people making films about, oh, wouldn't it be great to go to space? And you've lapped it up. (laughs) You've watched First Man and Mm. you've thought, ooh, wow, how exciting. I'm so proud. Balls. So how did you deal with uh, Edmonds? Because you know he was first out. I do. And talking of conspiracy theories, I feel that might be a scam. In what way? A fix. Because Edmonds is a player, he's a TV god, he's a legend, he knows how it works, he knows how the game works. And you're not going to get Edmonds into celebrity without some serious contractual negotiations. I'd like to see that contract. Your wife should look over that contract, it would be a fascinating artefact. Well, he had a run-in with Holly Willoughby on Breakfast TV at some point. He denies that. Does he? He says that was trumped up by the newspapers to sell a story. Fake news. Because I know a disturbing amount about this. And the contract, what do you think? Like, what kind of things is he... Why would he want to be first out? He stipulated that he had to be treated like an emperor. (laughs) He stipulated that he was going to sleep in a bed. I'll do it, but I'm not sleeping in a hammock. I don't sleep in hammocks. I have back problems, serious medical back problems. This is conjecture at this point. This is conjecture. This is why I'm imagining. It's what I would do if, Christmas I, if, if I was him. <laughs> Not, and I need, I need walls. And they go, OK, we've got to put him in a bed. Well, let's make a sort of joke out of it and make him the emperor and build him a special thing. And it can be like a thing. <laughs> they said, I'll do one trial. I'll do one trial and that's it. Then I'm out. I go, OK, we'll give him one trial and then we'll, we'll diddle the vote so that he can leave. I don't... Th- I think he looked shocked when he was voted out. Or rather, he... Well, he was... Edmonds, you're dealing with one of the world's best actors. Yeah. <laughs> with Edmonds. I'll tell Have you one thing you Have you not seen Noel's House Party? I didn't watch it as much as you did. The look of surprise when the doorbell rings. <laughs> <laughs> the shock when Blobby knocks something over. I mean, Noel's is a performer par excellence. i tell you one thing, though, that you can't take away from him, is he looks great. Well, did you think so? There was a lot of play made about um, Edmonds's physicality. He looks absolutely great. I saw him on Lorraine one morning For, being interviewed. What is he, like, 90? He's 69, I think. No, he's older than that, mate. He's in his 70s. Is he? Yeah, get Googling. No, I think he's 69. Get Googling. Because I looked it up. Even for 69, though, he looks great. Well, he's talking about launching a fitness uh, thing, isn't he? Is he? he? That's one of the things he said on Lorraine. God save us. (laughs) She said, (laughs) Sono. So what are you going to do now? I mean, the world's your oyster. You can do anything you want. And he said, well, no, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. We're in a really good place. I'm starting a science company. (laughs) (laughs) A science company? I'm not sure you know that much about science. 
That's like science. How would that science be spelt? <laughs> S-S-I-E-N-S-E. Science. <laughs> and then Lorraine said, um, and I must say, you look very nice. Strange accent she's got. And he, she said to the wife, you must enjoy his physicality looking like that. And she said, yes, I do. I do very much. And he Is went, American? <laughs> The thing that put us off I'm a Celebrity was mm-hmm. an episode where we were channel surfing, me and my lovely lady partner, and we came across a challenge which involved life-size Perspex Xs, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was an X-factor That people thing. were put in. We didn't know that. What we saw, we just were flicking through the channels and we saw these people <laughs> with their arms and legs splayed in Perspex Xs. With those plastic things that force your mouth open in Yeah, them. sort of dental yeah. guard thing. we were like, thing. what is going it on? It looked like a Marilyn Manson video. You know, if you came across that on the internet, you'd quickly close the window. And also one of the contestants, I think it was Emily Atak, was mm. in there and she seemed quite upset. So it was, it was generally unsettling for a little while. It's a bit horrible, that show. Yeah, yeah. I genuinely cannot watch what they do to insects and worms. I think that the cruelty to little creatures. Yeah. But then other people say eating insects is the key to humanity's survival. Sure, but not live insects. Not, but then how do you kill them? Uh, Just you bore them to death? <laughs> you make them watch I'm a Celebrity and they die of sadness. <laughs> and then it's fine. No, exactly. They got a lot of um, nutritional value. There's a lot of things about I'm a Celebrity that will seem jarringly strange in just ten years. But yet it doesn't years. change. It, year it changes after gradually. year after year. No, like it, 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 its level of success doesn't change. Like out of all those formats, you can slightly hear the wheels squeaking on X Factor, right? Mm. And Britain's Got Talent. That you can you think ah, this has maybe got how many more years in those formats? Do you think? But not with I'm a Celebrity, because it's so short, isn't it? Yeah, I guess so. That's the key. Some years it's certainly better than others. I mean, I can't make my mind up if I prefer the old adversarial version, when they would populate the jungle with people they knew were going to irritate other people. Right. And it would be guaranteed to kick off within two or three days. Now they don't really do that. They put people in who are... I mean, Noel was the wild card this year, and he certainly was irritating to a couple of people. Mm. But not massively. He's too professional. Yeah. Plus, he knew he was only in for a week. Noel's, in fact, was the most... He was the one that was most likely to infuriate people. Really? Yeah. Nick Knowles, that is, not Noel's Knowlesy. Who won it? Is it finished? No, it finishes... As we're recording, listeners, uh, it hasn't finished. They invited me over to Australia to do the... No. Sister show. No. The ITV2 show. Oh, my God. So wh- why aren't you there? Uh, because I was doing the podcast. To hell with the podcast. <laughs> That's what you've wanted your entire life. Yeah. It's the best option. You don't have to do the stupid thing. Yet you go and stay in the five-star hotel. You'd see behind the scenes. I'd have to hang out with Joe Swash. He's a funny chap. He's a good guy. He wears very, very tight shorts. That's probably the problem. I did like him when he was in the jungle. I thought he was great. And I do like Scarlet. 
What were the terms and conditions? Were they going to fly you? They were going to pay pay for your ticket, right? Yeah, I think so. I wasn't going to be on the thing regularly. I wasn't no, going to no, be no, a no, no, presenter. No, 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 no. But that's turn even better for, for one or something. That's even better. Yeah. Did you, how far into it did you get? Did you just say no? No, I thought about it. I was. Did they tell you whether they'd fly you economy, business, or first? We didn't get that far. I think you should have got that far. Mm. That would have been fun. It was too much of a time outlay. Don't you love to see behind the scenes of your favourite shows? Because we're big Britain's Got Talent fans. Right. We like Britain's Got Talent. Yeah. Just smiling in a weird way. Remind, <laughs> that's the correct way to smile when you say the sentence, we like Britain's Got Talent. I like it too. Like a sort of slightly peculiar vaudevillian. <laughs> uh, I used to like um, uh, Michael Barrymore's My Kind of People. Yeah. I love an eccentric old man doing a tap dance in a shopping centre. A load of creepy old eccentrics. <laughs> you love that. I do. So David Williams invited Annabelle and I to the final of uh, Britain's Got Talent. BGT. Yeah, and that was very exciting to see how it was made. That was when Anton Deck was still together. Right. It was just be- In fact, it was just before the big bust meltdown, up. bust up. Yeah. Well, and, they didn't bust uh, up, did they? Because they're still pals. It's a ruthlessly efficient show. Yeah. Ruthlessly efficiently staged. It's live. But it comes from Elstree, which is a studio sort of in Elstree. Mm-hmm. In fact, it actually is in Elstree. Is it? And the, what you don't know is... The, do you ever watch it? So they make it look yeah. like it comes from an old-time theatre. Right. It's not in an old-time theatre. It's much smaller than you think. And it's kind of fake. And every time they go to a break and the act ends, the back of the stage opens up, the studio doors where they bring all the giant things in opens up, and it's just a park. So literally day, sunlight and all these fields and sort of kids playing football go... Eh? in the background and then they wheel on the next act and close them up again wow like a it's kind really of James weird. Bond villain yeah super but studio it's so different from how you uh, the spatial sense you get from watching the telly is so different I don't think I can ever watch it again at the end of it David said so uh, would you come next year I said no <laughs> and he laughed <laughs> wow he's very good on it when, the, when it goes to commercial breaks, he signs books and gives uh-huh. them out to all the kids in, in the audience. God, he's like Santa. He is. They love him. People mm. love him. He's very nice. He signed a book for my daughter. She absolutely adores his stuff. He's very generous. He's very generous. Ellen generous. Whoa. Steady on. Whoa. I've just she handed Joe happy. a card in a blue envelope. And there's a gift to go with it. My gifts, by the way... Might be the worst so far really? ever. <laughs> they really are shocking. But I, my excuse is that I sp- spent a lot of time reading messages from the um, podcasts. What um, under what circumstances did you buy these gifts? How do you mean? Well, did you get them very quickly in a rush in a small area of a high street? I swear, I started looking for gifts for this several weeks ago. Are there shops in Norwich? <laughs> <laughs> There's a shop called Jarold's. It's like Jareth's. Yeah. I know, it always makes me think of David. Mm. I don't know. What does Jarold's sell? It's a bit like the... It's like Harrods with a J. Exactly, it's Harrods it? and... Um, what's the other place? Belgium. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Barker's? Is Barker's Barker's of Kensington. It yeah. certainly used to be. I think my mum used to like to yeah. go to Barker's. She sure. thought that was the fanciest place. Bar- Let's go to Barker's. Anyway, it's that kind of place. It's an old family run. I'm going to Barkers to buy some bitchum. <laughs> she said, just off to Barkers to buy some bitchum. <laughs> All right, mummy. It was a different time. <laughs> <laughs> 
So go on. So what? So oh yeah. So, so you put so a lot of thought into it. I just it. no. I, I've just been looking and looking and looking and looking mm. and thinking like, would th- would this be good to give to Joe on the podcast? And the answer has been no. Every sing every single shop. What I are your go criteria? Into, what are you looking for? I'm looking for something that is that maybe will spark some kind of chat fun. <laughs> that maybe might be as well a bit good. Yes. Might be as well a bit good. It's you know? a tough agenda to to fulfil. It says Joe and Annabelle, and the card says Ellen DeGeneres. I thought I'd made that up. And it's a cartoon of Ellen DeGeneres Ellen. holding an armful of presents with the words Ellen DeGeneres. That is very, very funny. As in generosity, it made me laugh. It's proportionally off. Her arms are a bit low down, don't you think? Yes, you're right. Yeah. Where are her shoulders? Yeah, that would right. be my. Well, I note. think it's thrown off because she's wearing a scarf, so it makes. No, sense. no, her neck isn't that long. All right. She's a small woman. Okay, I'm full sorry. of generosity. I wrote two messages rather than. That a is a good one. idea. These are all innovations for cards. So if you're giving a card to two people, use the right-hand surface to address one person. Yeah. That why hasn't anyone thought of that? Well, you know. I forgot an innovation. What? When it's someone's birthday, say happy birthday to everybody because mm-hmm. it's a birthday. Like if it's Christmas. You say happy Christmas to everybody. So if it's someone's birthday, you go, hey, happy birthday. Happy birthday. Oh, hey, happy birthday. They go, <laughs> what? It's not my birthday. You go, <laughs> <laughs> But I did that the other day and it made me uh, happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, no, because uh, it's Christmas. Then uh, you say happy Christmas to everybody. And people lost interest. Yeah, but it is work. actually Christmas, though, when you're saying happy Christmas. Yeah, it's, and it's a celebration. <clears throat> well, no, because it's Jesus' birthday. But yet you still say Happy Christmas. Right, OK. Come on. Throw, but your, throw your, me a bone. your system relies on going... At <laughs> 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 a, a crucial point. <laughs> it does. And <laughs> that would work at Christmas as well. Merry Christmas! <laughs> so it's got very nice wrapping paper with little jolly reindeer... reindeer. And With elves. little penguins, no, it's little penguins. They put a ladder up to climb onto the back of the reindeer who's got a scarf on. It's far-fetched. It is far-fetched, but it's a very friendly reindeer. He doesn't mind at all. I don't, is it a reindeer? It looks like a moose to me. Mm, it's far, whatever it is, it's far-fetched. <laughs> this is a book called The Joy of Saying No. At which point I can use my jingle. No! No, 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 no! No! No, 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 no! 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 I love that jingle. For a long time, I thought it was you doing that. It took me a while to realise it was Sexy Beast. Yeah, that's Kingsley. Yeah, it does sound a bit like you when you get... No! So it's, a, it's one of those fun books that you might find by the cash register, an impulse buy. There's shops now that are dedicated to those kinds of... Th- it's like they've got loads of books about... Crap shops. They're kind of a little bit... They, they, used, to they used to have chocolate willies and candles mm. shaped like willies and pasta shaped like willies and all that sort of stuff. But now it's lots of little books about philosophy and feminism yes. and games, little fun games. I actually use those shops quite a bit to buy gifts for... That's what they're for, Adam. ...podcast guests. Do you? That's yeah. exactly what they're for. Yeah. Gifty shops. They're balanced on the edge of a dustbin. <laughs> <laughs> But I looked at this book and I actually thought, hey, hang on, that's quite good. Because I seem to remember you once saying to me, the hardest thing is to say no to stuff. Yes. Uh, About, you know, people who like your stuff and it's very flattering and they ask you to get involved with some project they're doing. And Mm. 
you feel just really rotten, you know, they've reached out to you, they've endorsed what you do, and... And you say, no! You say, no, no! No, 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 no! Embrace the joy of saying no, it says on the back. In a world that favours yes, it can take courage to say no. But this simple word can set you free. With short tips and inspiring quotes, this little book will help you to harness the positive power of no! For a happier, calmer, and more joyful life. Okay, okay, okay. Shall I dip in? Yeah, because, I mean, I, I didn't want to get you a book that was just an endorsement of total blanket negativity. No. Because I'm not into that. No. I'm with John Lennon. No. You know, when he went to the top of the ladder at the Indica Gallery where Yoko Ono was uh, displaying her work and she had painted a little tiny word on the ceiling and you had to go up a ladder with a magnifying glass to see which word it was, and she had painted yes... And Lennon said if she had painted no, he would have walked out of the gallery and they would never have had a relationship. What a tit. Here's <laughs> <laughs> an amazing, um, amazing... I've just opened this and bang, this quote by the great thinker and philosopher Brooke Shields <laughs> has walloped me in the eyeballs. It says, don't waste a minute not being happy. If one window closes, run to the next window or break down a door. What's that got to do with saying Don't no? Don't waste a minute not being happy. Mm-hmm. I think that's unhealthy advice. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's unsound philosophy. It's unrealistic expectations. Yeah, because you need the lows in order to create the highs. I would balance that with a quote from the other great philosopher and thinker, Ronan Keating. Mm-hmm. With life is a roller coaster. Exactly. You've got to have the downs to create yeah, the ups. Yeah. yeah, mate. When you say yes to others... Make sure you're not saying no to yourself. Oh, so put your needs before the needs of others. Look after number one. Be selfish. That's not good either, is it? Joe, will you help me cross the road? I'm very, <laughs> I'm very weak and I can't see. Ye- no. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot, Brooke Shields. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> I'm off to have fun all the time. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> sound of her being hit by a car. Joe, I'm very busy on Saturday and I haven't got time to feed my dying dog. You get the gist of this. <laughs> it's a dangerous book, though, because you really shouldn't buy it. You say, no, not yeah. buying that book, no. That's right, isn't it? It's denying its own existence. It's yeah. denying its own usefulness. But except I was fooled into it. Yes. Well, that's very kind of you. Um, Sorry about that. No, 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 it's fine. Regift it. It's fine. Do you need to raise anything up by, say, a centimetre and a half? (laughs) Well, if I do, then that book will (laughs) finally come in handy. I like to listen to Adam and Joe But I listen to the podcast, not the live show I used to feel acute frustration Because I couldn't join in with Text the Nation but now my troubles have disappeared Because Retro Text the Nation's here And now my letter might be read out Instead of thrown in the trash and forgotten about Now, Vibes Alive Would you like to read out some messages from the podcasts? Yes So here's a mysterious email from somebody called Clint And this is a deep dive into Adam and Joe podcast lore, right? Mm -hmm. He says, hey, Adam, we all know jingles aren't exactly your forte. 
But I've always admired your desperate diligence to strive onwards into the inevitable abyss. And looking back, I really love your retro text the nation jingle in its many variants and movements. It still sounds so fresh and relevant. Would you mind taking us through the inspiration and development of this gem? I guess it just seems so out of character for you to write something this emotionally fulfilling. It's also quite the compositional leap for you, transcending your usual silly pastiche of insecurity, afraid of ever confronting yourself. I'm so proud that you finally overcame it. Thanks, boy. Clint. Whoa. That's a complicated piece of provocateurism. I think is he's, it? he's doing bants, I think, because, of course, I did bants. not write the retro text the nation jingle. What is your definition of bants? Friendly teasing that's quite hard-edged. Right. That's a good definition. Because somebody said to me, he said, uh, my abiding memory, Joe, of like working with you is just the bants. Ah, but you see, there can be other bands. There can just. I wasn't sure what he meant. Uh huh. I don't really know what it means. I associate it with the in between us. Didn't they coin it? That would conform to my definition. I don't know if they coined it. I feel like maybe, maybe. I'd associate it with the world of football and the kind of aggressive bants in your pants in in jokiness that yeah. verges on hate slash racism. So Clint <laughs> Clint is talking about a jingle that I wrote. Jay Corns wrote. Yeah, Jay Corns wrote. Became one of the greatest jingles ever written. It was a running joke. Was that, that a joke or was it... Was Because most really enduring jokes, there's an element of truth. They, it was good. I'm it not was, saying it, it wasn't. It was very good. But the joke... The joke it had something... The obviously not it had true joke. It had something became that it was better than anything something that I'd done. just melodically really strong. It was obviously really a joke because and I had done some of the best in it that really songs and jingles people on still a dramatic do. level. But then and people were like, was uh-huh, just Joe's sort one of a lasting contribution to the world of music, not just was better than anything you did. And people did. remember it more than they remember and anything. Ha-ha, that wouldn't that be funny if the one thing that Cornballs <laughs> actually pulled his finger out and did was funnier than anything you ever did? And of course that's not true, and that's the joke. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And he's Whereas, trying to, everything I said is, is true. He's trying to keep the joke alive. Right, he's trying to keep the joke alive. But mm. you see, I would say, what's his name very again? Very sarcastic, Clint. Clint. It's very fantastic. It's fantastic, but listen, Clint. It would because be... the truth is, you you're a jingle machine. Yeah, and you know, I find often find the jingles are some of the most enjoyable parts of your podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice I said some of them? Because I'm clever these days. Yeah, the podcast as a whole are absolutely wonderful. But I really look forward. Sometimes, to Sometimes, if you're not getting on with a guest. You think ah, you great. Think the jingles. Jingle I like the bits. I like the bits with you and the doggy. Yeah, okay. At the beginning and the end and the jungles. Some people say you should do a whole podcast where it's just you talking to Rosie. It is good. And I think, yeah, you might think that that's a good idea, but the reality of that would probably be less appetising. Only one way to find out, Clint. That's a provocative email. Also, Clint, you spelt insecurity wrong. You spelt it insecurity. But although maybe that's insect. deliberate, <laughs> insecurity, like a cross between being insecure and feel. an insect. That's what I feel when I watch I'm a Celebrity get me out of insecture. here. Insecure. Thanks, though, Clint. Thanks, Clint. That was a brilliant bants. Good bants, unless it was unless you hate me. Uh, in which case, <laughs> hate me. All right, I'm going to take things into the toilet for the first and not the last time in this podcast. So this is from Johnny, and I'm going to do a possibly offensive posh voice for you, Johnny. You may not be like this at all. 
Hello, Buckles. Last month, I decided to hike up Mount Kilimanjaro. I hired all my equipment from a local travel company in Tanzania and was persuaded to pay an extra $70 for my own private loo. It soon dawned on me that some poor porter would then have to schlep it up the 6,000-metre mountain along with everything else. I didn't let that bother me for too long, though. It was a great loo, and you should have seen the state of the communal ones. My loo comprised two parts, a comfy seat and a tank beneath. After doing your business, you simply pulled a handle beneath the seat which would open up the tank. At the end of the first day, I'd had my money's worth already. The next day we ascended, and whether it was because of the altitude or the food, I just didn't need the loo. I couldn't look the exhausted porter in the eye. The following day we ascended yet again. We were now pretty high, around 3,000 metres or so, and that night nature called. I rushed to my toilet tent and did my business. Two transactions. It was pitch black. I don't know if he's talking about the transactions or just the the hour. <laughs> I stood up, turned back round and bent... No, he's talking about the night. Right, it's all dark there. It was pitch black. I stood up, turned back around and bent down to pull the handle. Confusingly, I heard a loud pop as it opened and felt something on my face. The tank hadn't been equalised since being sealed at the lower altitude and the pressure had forced the air and everything else straight back up. Do you think the porter had done it deliberately? I couldn't take any chances and tipped him handsomely. Keep up the great work. Merry <laughs> Christmas, Johnny. So that's... Uh, wow, you're living an exciting life there, Johnny. Having his own faeces projected into his face. By a malpressurised porter potty Wow, that's quite a story, isn't it? <laughs> I mean... How would you feel, though, about... If that was an option, if you were mountain climbing... Yeah. Would you be OK with paying a guy to carry your porta potty mm, I don't know. I, what is it? Kilimanjaro's a snowy mountain. I guess it is up at the top. And I would imagine... Um, maybe not, though, with the global warming. Well, maybe not. Yeah. I'd imagine the pops freeze into icicle pops. OK, yeah. And then the squirrels and Then you can just... Um, right, right, right. right, right, right. I, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't sound very... <laughs> pop pops. That <laughs> you call them. Yeah, pop, poopy pops. Poopy pops. Oh, yum, 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 yum. That's the sound of a Kilimanjaro squirrel. Um, I don't... I, that's, it's just a confusing story. I can't relate to it. No. I'm looking for a way in. It's outside our purview. I would never climb a mountain. Yeah. I don't Do, know whether I'd take a loo. I don't understand. He didn't <laughs> set up the business of pressurising it in the first paragraph no but he he made but, but that clear very to well get i to thought the, it was very well, it was well very written. <laughs> well, well, well written well written if he'd set up the pressurizing at the beginning he wouldn't have needed so many words to to oh, trigger the punchline at the end johnny i'm sorry about this <laughs> i didn't Don't realize it was going to be a crit the tank hadn't been equalized since being sealed at the lower altitude and the pressure had forced the air and everything else straight back up no you're right it's very well written and it's very funny. All the info funny. was it's there. Good. I it's thought good. it was unusually it's succinct. It's very good. It's dirty, though. It is dirty, but I th as I said, I thought I should introduce that area of conversation because there will be more. Okay. I'm sorry about that. And I, I've been reading about the philosopher Montaigne. Do you know Montaigne? I've heard of him. Marcel Montaigne. Right. 16th century. 
and he would write quite a lot about you know toilet functions and right. things that would normally be considered below the consideration of a philosopher mm. but he thought that it was all very important you know that that was life and it had to be considered as well as the loftier stuff mm. all right so if you don't like it deal with Montaigne <laughs> <laughs> so you're just citing him broadly as someone like who would like this podcast who would like the podcast and like ratifies any yeah, and mention of of pooey exactly. type conversations Montaigne would have loved that story about okay. the portaloo okay he would have been rocking he back loves and forth. stories about climbing mo- mountains mountains well. exactly so i should say at this point thank you so much for all the messages that you sent in podcasts i really appreciate it more than ever before we got this time wow it took a long time to read them all they were all great i do apologize to those of you who have not had your messages read out uh they were too good but thank you very much have a good time all the time that's my philosophy what about a prezi from me to you yes please so I've got a challenge for this present. Oh, man. Do you think you're skilled at guessing what presents are? Uh, no. Uh, say yes. <laughs> Try saying yes. Yes. I will pay you... Like, I'm going to make this a real sum of money. Whoa. I will pay you £250. What? If you can guess what this, this is. This isn't like you. You're not a gambling guy. I will pay you... I will write you a cheque for £250 <laughs> if you can guess by feeling... All right. What this present oh, is. Oh, wow. Money on the table, listeners. By the way. I'm not serious. <laughs> you can't. This is why he's not a gambling guy, because he doesn't take... I was for a little bit, and then I thought about <laughs> it, and I lunged back to the microphone and said that addendum Thanks, was corrective. Man. Okay, so Cornballs is passing me a long, thin present. It's what about, is it? It's about the length of a long <laughs> pen. <laughs> That's a good unit of measurement. You should lecture in uh, measuring. (laughs) He had a scar. It was the length of a long pen. (laughs) Okay, so I'm feeling it now. Hmm. I would say that we are dealing with... I thought maybe initially it was some sort of AV cable Mm. coiled up. No, I'm eating a pear. I'm sorry, but that would be a good gift. Can I open it now? Yeah. All right. You haven't tried very hard. Oh, Moses. How weird. It just came apart in two sections and there's a little hand poking out of one of them. There's a little fleshy-coloured hand. And it's um, made of plastic, but it's very realistic-looking. And it's odd because it's it's like one of those Ron Merck sculptures. Ron Merck, who does those strangely proportioned mm. but very lifelike sculptures of human beings. Wow, this is great. How many have you got there? One, two, three. There's five hands. Now, why would there be five? Oh, okay. Yeah, there you, you go. You put them on your fingers. They're finger hands. Finger hands. And they're super creepy. <laughs> <laughs> they're quite good, aren't they? So you can turn your hand into a like a Syriac hand. You know Syriac? Yeah, who like duplicates and multiplies and yeah. fractals stuff. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's quite good, isn't it? That is great. I got them either... I think I got them from the Saatchi Gallery shop ah. in Chelsea. Either that or the Tate 
uh, modern. I always think that I'm going to load up with presents when I go into a gallery shop. Mm. And usually I don't. I come out having perused everything. And they I just were exceptionally think... good. I don't usually buy stuff, but I couldn't resist those. Yeah. I, I bought two, and then I walked for about four minutes, and I thought, I'm ha- I better have five. That's a great present. What were they advertised as? F- finger hands. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think so. They were in a box on the, by the till. Yeah. I think they look good. I think you go up behind your wife, pop that on her shoulder, and she'll freak out. My daughter's going to freak out when she sees these. They're great. Someone tweeted the other day a very small sculpture of David Bowie's head. Have you seen those? No. A small, lifelike sculpture, but, like, really tiny. And they look great. It was just a disembodied head that looked as if it was... What would you do with it? Hang it round your neck as a pendant? Uh, Suck it. Suck it, like a boiled sweet. Yeah. (laughs) The boiled sweet. No, I would put it in a case, I think. A little case. (laughs) And do what with it? Not a suitcase, like a little... Little case. Where would you put the little case? Mm. I like the idea that putting it in a case is somehow, like, final and definitive about what you do with it. (laughs) Well, it, I don't think it has a practical value, does no. it? What would you do with it? I'd hang it around my neck. <laughs> as a little bauble. <laughs> or I'd have it as a keyring. Yeah. Or That seems disrespectful. <laughs> does it? Yeah. Yeah. A keyring? Yep. Do you think? Yeah, because he's going to be bouncing around behind, beside your nutties all day, isn't he? <laughs> he would love that. Maybe he, he would, would love that. Yeah, he would, actually. Come on. Oh, that's a wonderful sign. He loves a codpiece. Bouncing around <laughs> next to your nuts. Thanks, man. I love these I love these finger Art hands. hands. Brilliant present. Very useful. Practical as well. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Last December, I went outside and who'd I see but Santa sitting on a ride with things for me. He had presents in his arms and his sleigh was loaded with amazing gifts. I thought, yes, Santa... Give me the presents right now, please. Little flipping elves dancing round and round. Don't give me the stuff I don't want. I want the stuff now. Santa gives that lovely stuff to me. Santa said you missed the point of the holiday. It's not about stuff, it's about thoughts and giving and love and all that. I said, well, go back home to Iceland then with your stupid hat. So... Let's talk movies. Okay, movies. The Kid Who Would Be King, Joe Cornish. Yes. Tell me about The Kid Who Would Be King. How did you get the idea for well, this? Well, I got the idea out of... Um, I wrote off for it. Yeah. Uh, I'm warming you up because <laughs> you're going to be... You're going to be in junket zone in, as we speak, about three months. Is that right? Well, the first junket is on December the 13th. Oh, really? So it's actually next week. Whoa. Yeah. It's a sort of a press day. Yeah. Yeah, I like them, though. They're fun. Do you? I do, yeah. I like talking to journalists. Right. Because we sort of used to be them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. We both interviewed people. Yeah. So I feel like I want to, you know, make them happy. What about journalists who couldn't give a crap about you or your film? Well, that's okay as well. I was interviewed by one journalist the other day who was quite tired. Yeah. And he wouldn't look me in the eye... But there was a, definitely a slight atmosphere of, you know, I'm, I have to do this. Right. Probably is in all interviews with me. <laughs> but it was very much... It was almost as if the tape recorder was more interested in, in it than he was. <laughs> like, he was looking at the tape recorder. We, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Or as if there was someone on the other end of the tape recorder who might be interested. Yeah. But it definitely wasn't him. 
He'd seen the film, had he? No, oh, okay. no, no one's seen it. Only ah, finished. Right. Well, the cast have seen it, ah. and then test audiences have seen it. Whoa! Yeah, we screened it for the cast last night. For the first time, a little private screening. How was that? It was really uh, quite emotional, right? And very enjoyable. So, tell us what the film is called again. For it's people. called The Kid Who Would Be King. Yeah, I like to say it fast. The Kid Who Would Be King. The Kid Who Would Be King. The Kid Who Would Be King. And not the when... kid who would begin. When you are in the future of your career, when you're yep. referring to it, will you call it kid? Well, people do. You know, if you have any project w- that requires people to say its title a lot, it just naturally declines, right? Please the... don't. Well, it's I don't, but it's happened already. I call it K W W B K. In emails, why don't you just call it say kid king? The kid who would be king. I do. That's what I've called yeah, it. Yeah, that's yeah. what it's called. Yeah. Don't refer to it as anything other than that. Otherwise, I'll totally lose respect for you. Yeah. Okay. It's like the man who would be king. Yeah, I know. But there are some people who haven't seen that film. It's not that well known anymore. It's a fantastic movie, right? With I Sean love Connery that film. Yeah. And who Michael Caine. Isn't it John Huston? Yes, you're right. And it's God, it's good. He Such did... a fantastic adventure movie. My movie is is nothing like it. I mean. My movie, hopefully, is a fantastic adventure movie, but it is not the same story. My well, film's about a boy that discovers the sword in the stone. Yeah, there you go. It's a kind yeah, it's of... it's a um, modern-day film. Modern-day, kid-based, Arthurian... It's a fun fantasy adventure for all the family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Testing particularly well with 8 to about 14, 15-year-olds. OK. They love it, they love it. Perfect. Perfect then, for my daughter and, then, um, and my son. And then the grown-ups like it as well. Good one. Is Buckles yeah. still in it? Buckles is very much still in oh. it. There's a very good Buckles cameo. Thank goodness. Very critical moment. You really possess the screen. Thanks, man. Thanks for giving me that part because I couldn't really have been cut, could I? Because it is quite a key moment. Yeah, it's a key moment. Why were you worried you might be cut? Yeah. Nah, you can't cut Buckles. <laughs> Some people have been cut. People have. The first cut was two and a half hours. Whoa. And will that turn up on Blu-ray? Uh, some of it will. Yeah. yeah. But Can't no, you're wait. very good. Thanks. And you're funny in the EPK as well. What am I doing in the EPK? You're talking about your badge. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, they were filming funny. on the day. Right, I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, good one. Like the behind the scenes is yeah. what I mean by EPK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Man, it's so exciting. I can't wait. Yes, I just want to meet Patrick Stewart. Okay, I'm sure we can figure that out. All right. He's very busy. I tell you, have you ever heard him on Mark Maron's podcast? On no. W? That's a oh, really I'd good like episode. i to listen to that. Yeah, that's a good one. He's an interesting guy, amazing childhood. That's right. Lots of crazy, interesting, fascinating stories about his dad and the way he was brought up. Yeah. And of course, he was in John Borman's Excalibur. He played Sir Leon de Gras, ah. who's the first knight to attempt to pull the sword from the stone. Sir Lemongrass. But he failed, yes, the Lemongrass, yeah. the healthiest of all the knights. <laughs> <laughs> the healthiest and most delicious. So that's kind of cool that, you know, he's in another Excalibur film. And did you talk about Star Trek a lot? Or? You know what? I did not mention it. What? Not even once. You didn't even ask him to say... Engage. No, and that's why I'm worried about introducing you to him. Because <laughs> you can't be trusted not to say something like that. Oh. <laughs> Who's that Beverly Crusher? Yeah. He's he's going back to Trek, right? No. Yeah. Is he? You know, what is the matter with your Star Trek newsness? Uh, he's just announced he's doing it again. He's going to play... Radar. 
He's going to play um, Inspector Morse again. <laughs> <laughs> what is the captain of the Starship Enterprise called? JLP. Jean-Luc. Um, Minder. <laughs> well, who's the antiques guy? What's the name of the antiques guy? <laughs> On telly, what's he called? Who, Orange Boy? No, the series about the antiques what detective man. About? I don't know, I'm just trying to pull Spender. random... Spender. Stephen Spender. No, I'm just trying to pull random old telly people out of the box. <laughs> I mean, old as in their programmes are old. Sure, sure. Um, what was he called? Grifter. <laughs> what was he called? For Love sake? Joy. Love Joy, that's it. Yeah, you know he's playing Love Joy again. <laughs> Grifter. He's, he's back in the saddle as Love Joy. Love Joy, the commander. Love Joy's back. Commander of the Enterprise. The, the, the commander of the USS Knickknack. <laughs> The commander of the USS Valuable Knickknack. That would be a good sci-fi series with um, Minder. It appears to be some kind of beautiful brass bedpan (laughs) from another dimension. So, here's a message from Catherine in Oxford. Dearest Dr Buckles and Sir Cornballs. Ah, at last. The best thing about 2018 for me was by far and away... Yes. The Queen film, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. was panned by critics mm. from the get-go. As a tangent, Catherine, there was a review of the trailer that I read in The Guardian, like in the summer, when a teaser trailer came out and some guy in The Guardian reviewed it and panned it. And it was this long takedown of, of the trailer, how terrible the trailer was and how the film was going to be rubbish and you could tell from the trailer. I just thought, that is not cool. How is that in any way acceptable to trash it because of the trailer? Anyway, that's by the by. Did you see it? I haven't seen it yet. I have not seen it either. My chaps want to see it, especially my son Natty, who's in a big queen place at the moment. Yes, apparently that's one of the reasons it's making so much money. Because children love it. But because kids are discovering queen. Yeah. Like, we discovered queen when we were 14, 15, right? That album was sort of a must-have, greatest hits. Greatest hits, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's weird. It's got. It's doing the same. It communicates thing to this with generation. Um, young teenagers in a very, very direct. Do you and think it's the? Way. It's just a, a scientific thing. It's sung at a particular pitch that well, they're developing ears first respond of all, to. One would have to say that it is very good. Yes, those songs are really true. solid, and they've got everything. They've got excitement. They've got drama. They've got there's this sort of musical chops there. They're very emotional. Mm. Like you really get excited, mm. and your heart soars during mm. some of those songs. I'm, I used to love. Find me somebody to love. Mm-hmm. Find me. So I get it that. Um, what do you love think about stuff. reconstructing the that like fifteen minutes of Live Aid? Oh, I don't know. I think because people say that's the most amazing. Well, let me finish uh, Catherine in Oxford's message. People scoffed, said it was too tame, too silly or too reticent on Freddie Mercury's sexuality. But I thought it was an absolute belter, a glorious romp through their music with almost all the Live Aid gig lovingly recreated at the end. Stonkingly good. I went to see it six times. Wow. I wept through the end with joy tears. And ever since it came out, I've discovered their complete back catalogue. Long live the Queen. Lots of love from a loyal Black Squadron member, Catherine. So, yeah, I'm up for Queen, the movie, The Bohemian Rhapsody. You know the Queen? The Queen? Yeah, the actual Queen. Yeah. Well, she went to see Bohemian Rhapsody. No. Yes. 
Oh, Laura, Laura, Freddie, Lolly, Mercury, innit? It's not got a lot of gay beats, though. That's how sad I thought a little bit. But Lolly, so good impression from Mr. Robot, innit? Lars, Lolly, Bolivian rap study. And I can sing it. Who else shall I sing it? Yes, we Your Majesty. We like the song Laura sing it. Yes, Your Majesty, please sing it. Bahamian rafts. <laughs> Rhapsody, Your Majesty. I like to wear a nasty letter for a man. Carrot mousse, carrot mousse. Willie drinks a whole tango. On the pants are tightening. Teeth could use some whitening, please. Lully couple, lully couple. Salmon mayo, mock a mode. La 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 la. If you were a poor boy, what can were you, boy? Basmati. Rice is nice, boy. <laughs> I've forgotten what happens to your face when you do this. But he cooks a little slow. Bill Milner made his debut in Son of Rambo. Bismarcky. <laughs> He's a rapping man. Baz Luhrmann makes long films that never end. Mamma mia, mamma mia too. Here we go again. I smell some fruit. There's a Laura, Laura plums for me. And Steve, oh Lully Bee. <laughs> that was that was very powerful, Your Majesty. It's nice, isn't it? I think you've um, got some of the lyrics wrong. Though. It's so no, they're right. They're lovely. They're so nice, and the lyrics are just exactly that. I think I heard. I put them down from like I wrote them from the ear. <laughs> did the Queen really go and see Bohemian Rhapsody? <laughs> she didn't, did she? <laughs> that was all an excuse. I like the way that just it just started in the middle of one of my sentences. <laughs> But then when the royal family's involved, you can't... If they start talking, like if they're bored, they'll just launch into another. And that is what the Queen did. That was extraordinary. The holiday horn, it goes... Holiday time. Have a carrot, have two carrots. Go to the toilet, take your time. Holiday time. What about a present for you now? Yes, please. Um, okay. Oh, this is a big box. It's a big box. Wow, this is the size of... This is like a large pen. It's the kind of size that I would have got very excited about. <laughs> a big square pen. As a child. You know, that looks like a proper... A sort of shoebox size yeah, pen. Yeah, yeah, shoebox size pen. <laughs> <laughs> I think I've forgotten to take the price tag off. I'm sorry. Oh, this guy. My pet, talking playset. So there is a very creepy-looking cat who's inside this box with a plastic transparent window on the front. He, the cat looks sort of worried. It has its hands folded over its front. Mouth recording function. Tip it over. Read what it says there on the back. On the back. My pet, talking playset. When talking to Tom, it will use funny voice to repeat what you said. Touch its face, it will sound pop. <laughs> Touch the belly of Tom. It will has a strange sound. <laughs> it will has a strange sound. <laughs> also, the punctuation is all off. Pull or touch its tail. It will sound a funny no. Pat Tom's feet. It will say woo-woo or I yo. It's a plastic cat. 
Like, it's not articulated in any way. It's just like a sort of plastic statue. The best gift for the children. It looks dangerous. It looks like the, the sort of thing you'd buy at the beginning of a horror film. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> 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 Are you scared, little goblin? <laughs> Why is it saying that? might have put the wrong chip in it. Stop touching it, for We're God's sake. We're a family being murdered too, aren't we? <laughs> Stop touching its tummy. You're touching its tummy. Make it... That's better. Is that better? <laughs> At least it's a cat, rather than Satan. It's what you just said. Why is it saying that? Here, look at the controls, for God's sake. Look that. at the things it says on the box. Stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it, stop it. Record. <laughs> Shall I get a hammer? <laughs> yes, I get a I'm hammer? scared. How do we make it record? Smash it. Stop it, stop it. Here, give me the box. Pushing its eyes <laughs> Stop, I'm finished. Oh, God, the eyes are falling in. Give me the box. Does it not have instructions? <laughs> I'm just going to switch it off. That's insane. Holy Christ. <laughs> well, you certainly topped silly sausage. <laughs> that was so unexpected. Wow, thanks, man. That was that's really disturbing. Where did you get that? From that shop on Berwick Street. Berwick Street. That that's more like an elephant and castle uh, present. That Do you know one. that costume, that fancy dress shop? Uh huh. On Berwick Street, they were at the back on a very high shelf. I bet they were. It was seven ninety nine. It's probably <laughs> stuffed with ketamine or something. Probably. It's a creepy object. Are its eyes just holes, or did you push them no, in? No, I pushed them in. Oh, well done. So its eyes are now it's holes. Its eyes are now inside the, its carcass.
Okay, here's some egg corns that uh, you sent in, Podcats. Thank you very much indeed. Once again, apologies to people who sent in stuff that they really wanted us to read out and we haven't done so. Nothing personal. We still care for you very much. This is from Dave Holmes. Dave says, In her first year at secondary school, my daughter Amber wrote a story in which she described seeing something with her profiterole vision. That's a good one. I'd like to have profiterole vision. I, I do. What is a profiterole? It is like a small pastry ball with cream... And chocolate. And is yeah, it dipped it, in chocolate. It's like <clears throat> a ball version of an eclair, isn't it? So it looks a bit like an eyeball. Yes. And I, uh, like a doughy eyeball dipped in chocolate. Partially dipped. So I can see... I think that's uh, highly tenable. Right, right. Someone could have profiteroles for eyeballs. A little bit of chocolate rolling around. Pastry man. It would be uh, obscured by brown smudges, profiterole vision. <laughs> <laughs> I've got something in my profiterole vision. That's very good, Dave. Thank you. And thanks, Amber. OK, here's one from Guy Mayman. Do you think he's a highwayman? Guy Mayman, the highwayman. <laughs> <laughs> he's missing a trick if he's not a highwayman. Hi, Dr. Buckers and Cornballs. My daughter, Emmy, who has always been keen on history, recently told me that until she started secondary school, she had always believed the symbol appropriated by the Nazis, very Christmassy, was called a swastical. She secretly wondered how imagery with such dark connotations had such a cute name. Love you, bye. Guy Mayman, the highwayman. Swastical. Swastical. It would be a way of softening up the Nazis, making their image more friendly. That would be the name of the lollies that the people on the far right really enjoy. Yes. Mm, Nazi icicles. Yeah. It's tough, isn't it? Because in a way, they are quite Christmassy. There's nothing like an Indiana Jones movie at Christmas. Yep. And red and white, Colours of Santa. Did that ever strike you as odd, though, with Indiana Jones, that they were incorporating these incredibly dark, real no, elements. No, because if you go down that path, then all war films really are slightly questionable. I did, when, when I made that toy parody of Saving Private Ryan, I did have a weird moment when I was going, oh, my God, this is hideously inappropriate. Mm. But then I got over it. <laughs> Here's one from Neil. He's from Winchester. Winchester. I went to visit my auntie and uncle, who have retired to southern Spain. They wanted to show me around and drove me to a place called Mijas Pueblo. We went on holiday there. To Mijas. We had a great holiday in Mijas. Only you went ill. Did I go ill? You went ill, yeah. Is that when we were doing filming our Billy and Icky things? Possibly, but you got ill and you locked yourself in your room grumpily for most of the holiday. Oh, no. I just hung out with your brother and your sister and they were wicked. I'm so sorry. Sorry. It's a long time ago. Oh, that's terrible. I think you were ill. I definitely was. Yeah. I wasn't in a mood. No. I was in a mood that I was ill. Probably, yeah. Oh, man, that's it the was worst, a good time. though. It was a good time. We had some fun. Some fun. So, they drove me to a place called Mijas Pueblo, a viewpoint at the top of a hill that looked out over the arid Andalusian countryside and the Mediterranean. We walked to the viewpoint, and my auntie excitedly beckoned me over, calling, Come and have a look at the Panasonic view! <laughs> That's good. Obviously, she meant panoramic. But that, it maybe was sponsored by Panasonic. Well, it could be, couldn't it? And one day, in a sort of idiocratic world, like as in idiocracy, maybe think, like Kodak liked to sponsor, or they used to like to sponsor 
particularly good spots for taking a photo. Right. Is that in Disneyland or somewhere? Yeah. This is a Kodak moment. Yeah. So they'd sponsor a little area, a little promenade area that had an amazing view. Yes. And when you go through certain things that everybody goes through, if it's a breakup or then companies in the future will sponsor those Mm. moments. And it'll just like there'll be a chip in your body already to mm. um, help with your mm. medical functions. I think it would say something like, I'm so sorry you've broken up. This is Tinder tragic. <laughs> oh, Tinder. Or if you're in an amazing overlook, looking at an amazing view, you might go, This is a Kodakula view. It's absolutely Kodakula. Well, it's Panasonic. This is an absolutely Panasonic view. Yes. Wow, that is going to happen, though. Sponsored thoughts. Do you think? Yep. I can't wait. Neither can I. I can't wait. It just cuts out the middleman between me and the products I love. Also, imagine all the great articles about it. The think pieces. And they'd have an episode... How many stars will The Guardian give it? Three, probably. (laughs) Yeah? Mm. Here's one from Paul Bradley. He says, My nephew Fergus calls the fast food chain McDonald's Old McDonald's. (laughs) We assume the branches he goes to are only supplied by the guy in the nursery run. Yeah. Old McDonald's. That's very good. Old McDonald had a farm. E-I-E-I-O. And on that farm, he slaughtered millions of cows. E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> With a... And he put their hooves and their tails <laughs> and their hey, eyeballs hey, hey, and hey, their hey, ears. Hey, hey, hey. And hey. their hair. That's not true. Isn't it? 100% pure beef. Yeah, so, but... Which means 100% of the cows. Exactly. Does it? I think it does. I think it's semantics. I.e. it's pure beef because it came from... It definitely came from a cow and a hoof. When was the last time you had a McRunkles? When was the last time I had a McStinkles? Maybe early 90s? Really? Yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. So you think you haven't had a McRunkles for at least 20... For over 20 years? The children have... Not even a Breckles, a tasty sausage sausage and egg McMuffles. No, mate. They, They have... The children occasionally have them... I'm sorry to say, and I'm always a little bit angry when they come back and they've got them and I have to stop myself. Have you seen their touchscreens? No. So me and my lovely lady partner went to the dump very early in the morning because that's when you Is that what they call McDonald's now? (laughs) Yes. Well, they put them near dumps. Right. And there was a McDonald's on the way, so we had a Breckles. Oh, yeah. Because we like a sausage, sausage and egg McMuffin. I did used to like that, yeah. They had touchscreens. Mm. So you don't have to order. There's just giant iPads. Right, like in, in the adverts. Yes, and there was a woman standing beside it with a detergent spray bottle and a cloth. Sure. Just wiping it down the, other, the whole time. Each time someone touches it. Kind of, yeah. I thought, that's peculiar. It and is. then I read in the paper the other day, someone who'd done a survey, and they'd found faecal matter oh. on every single McDonald's screen that they'd yeah. tested even with the woman wiping it down all the time. But listen... There's fecal matter everywhere. Everywhere. Do you think? Sure there is. (laughs) There's certainly a lot in this room. (laughs) After your conversation... There's a lot in this podcast. But Christmas is a time for... um, for fecal fecal matter. (laughs) Now, I've tried the chips occasionally and the fries. Right. Which used to be one of the great, great things about it back in the day. Really good fries. Delicious fry. I think Malcolm Gladwell did a podcast episode of Revisionist History about really? this very thing. And they they used to be delicious, and they changed the recipe, and now they are absolutely inedible. Really? Yeah. You are not going to be sponsored by McDonald's. No. It's not going to happen now. Ronnie McStinkles is going to withdraw his special 100% beef. <laughs> no. <laughs> Rockle McStinkles. Podcast. <laughs> 
Excuse me, excuse me, that was a wind from down inside me. It has escaped from my inside garden, and now I humbly beg your pardon. Here we go. Here's a present for you. This is, I think, my last present for you. Thank you very much. So it's the size of a sort of square pen. <laughs> a square flat pen. A square flat square pen. About Yeah, but pretty much exactly the size of a pen. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm opening it. And, uh, oh, it's a CD. <laughs> <laughs> It's got something with it. <laughs> got something with it. Oh dear, that's actually really nice. Uh, <laughs> Christmas Day. It's got a, like a little number plate saying Joe, about the size of a pen, <laughs> and it's got a Star Wars wallet. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Star Wars wallet. You like Star Wars? I like Star Wars. You met Star Wars. (laughs) I did. I've been to Star Wars. Yeah, you sat inside Star Wars. I was on Star Wars. Exactly. Um, So, and there's also CD. The CD is the main thing. The CD is very special. It appears to be the original cast recording from the smash hit Broadway and London musical Buckleton. It's vaguely reminiscent of, um, what's it called? Hamilton. Hamilton. It's a sort of gold background. I wouldn't say it was... Re- I mean, that's that would be a legal problem. That would be. So it's perfectly... It's similar. Yeah. It's perfectly balanced between being evocative of it, but absolutely its own thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's a gold background with the black star, uh, but instead of... Where you might find the ma- the political man Hamilton, it's got a silhouette of Buckleton with a top hat. With a top hat, and his right hand is extended. He appears to have a phone in it, and it's got like a Wi-Fi symbol coming out of it. He's punching the air because he's found a spot. That's he's found got, a signal. He's got a good signal. He's the top point of a star, exactly. and then behind is the silhouette of Rosie the doggy. RTD, and it says Buckleton and Norfolk Musical. Yeah. Do you want to hear one of the songs? Yeah. Let's get the CD out. All right. Put it in. So the deal with this is that we went to see... You mentioned Hamilton, Mm. uh, the musical. I actually went to see that with my daughter, Hope. Actually did. Yep. Yep. In real life. (laughs) You didn't just imagine going to see it. You actually saw it. No, I actually... I had to go to the theatre and everything. No. Wow. I had to sit there and watch it. Uh, Listen, I saw both halves. Actually, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way through. You know about Hamilton, right? I do. I haven't seen it. Well, it's a hip-hop musical, I suppose, isn't it? What? So instead of the usual kind of... But Adam, of... musicals and hip-hop are, are completely contrary art forms. Yeah. You would think, wouldn't you? But that what they've done here is they've fused them. What? The style and feel of the kind of music you would get at a musical, but delivered with the style of a bit of rapping. And hip-hop about history, American political history. Seems weird, doesn't That's it? That's absurd. Someone who knows about hip-hop was telling me that the flow that is employed most often would be an Eminem-style flow. Someone who knows about hip-hop told you that the flow that Louis. would be employed... Louis, Louis told me. Louis told you that someone... Louis likes his hip-hop. 
Right. And he was saying, oh, yeah, the flow is very Eminem, apparently. That they use in Hamilton. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I wouldn't take hip-hop advice from Louis. No. I'd take it with a pinch of salt. Anyway, so, yeah, Alexander Hamilton, the historical figure, is the star of uh, Hamilton the Musical. But Buckleton the Musical... Yes. It's a different thing. Totally different. It's about a proud, brave, talented handsome man he has a beard he's called dr a buckleton and he lives in a house in norfolk in the countryside with his wife his wife his two teenage sons and his 10 year old daughter and his dog friend a whippet poodle cross called rosie and the songs on the soundtrack are about his everyday struggles and uh, all the trials and tribulations of his abundantly privileged life one of the songs actually is similar, I would say, to a song that's in Hamilton. And uh, there's a song in Hamilton called The Room Where It Happens. Mm. It's one of the best songs, actually, written, as I think all of them are, by Lin-Manuel Miranda, Mm -hmm. kind of a genius man. The Chimney Sweep. (laughs) Why is he the Chimney Sweep? Because he plays the Chimney Sweep in Mary Poppins. Does he? Yeah, and by the time this podcast goes out, the world will be Poppins crazy. Right. And Lin-Manuel will be twirling his chimney brush Mm -hmm. and clicking his heels um, in Poppins all over the country. He's had a long distinguished career pre-Hamilton as an actor, playwright, singer. He did the songs in Moana, I think. Did he? And yeah, he's good. He played a bellman in The Sopranos. In Blame on the Bellboy. Mm. Dunstan checks in. (laughs) We went to see that, didn't we? Did we? Yeah, That's we a good did. Christmas movie. We saw that in the mm, cinema. Imagine. Dunstan checks in. <laughs> Monkey. Um, so in The Room Where It Happens, they're talking about the compromise of 1790. Sure. That Tell was something I don't already know. Yeah. I mean, that is one of my favourite... Compromises. It's regarded as one of the most important bargains in American history. Yeah. I personally, I rank it just below the Missouri Compromise Mm -hmm. and the Compromise of 1850. And the film Compromising Positions. I rank it above that. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is similar in style, and this one is called The Room Where It Happened. Can't wait. Ah, Miss Rosie. Mr. Buckleton, what? I was wondering about the new smell our bedroom's got. Oh, yeah? I don't know what you mean. Oh, I think you do. It's the opposite of clean. It's emanating from the kind of a stinky big log that emerges from the back of an incredibly naughty dog. Whatever. Plop, inside less. Wasn't me. Crap, outside more. Do whatever it takes to avoid leaving tods on the bedroom floor. It seems to me, Mr. Buckleton, you're plopping to conclusions. I hate to disabuse you of your poo-based illusions. In case you didn't know, there's other creatures in this house. I've heard that the turd could have come from a mouse. A mouse could not do that giant poo, that was you. Don't take me for a fool, it isn't cool. I know the style of your stool. I've watched you do enough outside round the place. Staring up at me with that look on your face. Half concentration, half pure pleasure. As out pops a nugget of dirty doggy treasure. Even for you, this is getting quite sad. You sound mad and it doesn't change the fact that... 
No one else was in the room where it happened They never knew who done the poo when it happened But it was obviously you who done the crap when it crappened The dump when it dumped and the plop when it ploppened I'm the one who's gotta scrub that floor So I'm begging you, Rosie, don't do anymore Just shout when you wanna go out to the toilet of nature No one else saw the poo when it happened I think Louis's right yeah, I think that is very similar to Eminem's work. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that could be an Eminem track. I do know. I know. I know what he means. Yeah, it's definitely very good. Yeah, there's quite a few more Buckleton tracks. I won't play them all now. Right. I might. I might. How many more are there? Hundreds. No. Um. <laughs> I think there's another couple. What is the? What is the? I've been working. Is on the whole musical daughter. about the um, the dog and the tots? No, no. There's another no, one. No, 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 no. Do you want to hear another one? Sure. <laughs> I mean, it's Christmas. How can I say no? I won't play you the whole thing. I'll play you a little bit. In this one, Buckleton is upset because it's a lovely day, but the children are in, in their rooms and they won't come out. Really? They're all on their devices. Really? Does that ha- is that a real thing that happens? That's happened to me, yeah. It's happened to you. This is the bit after Buckleton comes into his daughter's room and says, come on, look, this is, uh, you, you, you know, it's a nice day, you've been in there too long, you've got to get outside. I'll go outside a little later. You said that before. Right now, I'm just watching this. Right. And what is it that's so very important? It's a funny guy commentating on a video game. Are you even playing the game? No, he plays the game. You just watch him commentating on the game. Jesus Christ, the world's ending. Right, I'm opening the curtains. Look, you've got to get outside in the sun and have some fun just like we used to in the olden days before the shutters came down and the screens went up before everything real in the world got stuffed. But you were the one who brought the screens. Oh, yeah, be ungrateful, please, by all means. Listen to yourself, Dad, you're such a hypocrite. You're always in your nutty room doing pointless. Sorry, I'm gonna have to say no to that. I will not be treated like a ludicrous prat. I want everyone out in the sun right now, building huts with twigs, making friends with the cow. So there's a little bit of that one. That's good, man. That sounds um, deeper than the other one. The one about the poo. <laughs> Listen, there's all kinds of intellectual tones, mm, 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 a variety. Mm. Is of... that also, is that Hope singing on that? Yes. That's very lovely. It's yeah. very touching. She's very And talented. do you think it'll change her approach to her screen use, being involved in a satirical song like that? I hope it might do. She'll give her a different perspective on it. Yeah, because she really loves Buckleton the musical. Yes. And I would think that it might seep in there a little bit. I mean, it's almost replaced Hamilton in her affections, and she really loved Hamilton. When can the public see Buckleton the musical? Oh, it's actually come off the West End. <laughs> After a smash oh. hit run, oh, because they were the other theatres were angry because <laughs> it was too, it was, too, it was t- taking all the yeah, audiences. There you go. <laughs> I that's weird because I didn't, I didn't hear. Oh, I didn't no, hear it happened about very it. quickly. Did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so successful so fast they very had to fast. stop it, and it won all the awards. Did it? Yeah, and everyone, everyone else was going like, wait, what? Why? What's what? the Buckleton? It's too similar to Hamilton. Really? And apparently all the Hamilton people got annoyed. What would happen if I looked it up on the internet? Because with success like that, I wouldn't... I mean, surely it would be on the the internet. Well, you can look it up, but some of the results may have been removed... By? By law. 
Buckleton. Buckleton was a smash hit musical that ran in the West End for one night only. Such was the incredible success (laughs) of this production that a group of entrepreneurs, show people and actors clubbed together to bring it down, saying that it threatened the livelihood of the West End community. (laughs) Colour me wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, man. That was like, no present you could give me would be better than than you making that up. Is that real melody? Heaven's in my phone charger. I left it right there. Did you see it? Have you got it? Where's my charger gone? Where's my phone charger? The battery is about to die. It was on the table. Round and round in their heads go the chord progressions, the empty lyrics, and the impoverished fragments of tune. And boom goes the brain box at the start of every bar, at the start of every bar. Boom goes the brain box. I'm going to give you two serious presents. All right, okay. Because these are like proper presents. Whoa. Uh, so this is a book, big, heavy book. Uh, it's, it's the size of a large pen. This will probably be under a lot of crinkle trees this uh, season. Oh, is it? Is it Holly Willoughby's book? No, it's Darcy Bustle's book, Evolved. Because <laughs> <laughs> you love the bustle. I do. Oh, wait. Is what? it something by James Corden? It's James Corden's big book of fun jokes. Oh, look at this. Beastie Boys book. Do you a- know about this thing? No, I don't. It's wow. it's a super thick, almost like a kind of a Beastie like Boys Bible. But it's got all sorts of stuff, recipes, and it's kind of like a oh, mashup crazy book. This is going to be great in the toilet. Uh, it's an ideal toilet book. And that is not to disrespect anyone involved with it or you for giving it to me or what anything a, like that. What a toilety Christmas podcast it's been. Uh, you know, Montaigne. So what do the Beastie Boys make you think of in our lives? Oh, man. They remind me of a party we had. Yeah. In an American friend, an American exchange student's flat. We can say his name. Chad. Hey, Chad. He was called. Yeah. And Chad had had... Had. Christmas fun with a lady, yeah. and none of us had yet kissed a lady under the That's mistletoe. Right. He was more mature than we he were. He was very mature, and we were very impressed with him. Yeah. And we had that album, right? We had License to Ill. Yeah. And for some reason, he had an empty flat, which was like kind of manna from heaven at that age. Wasn't it his dad's place, and his dad maybe, was out of town? Maybe. So we got loads of booze, and it was you, me, Chad, and Louie. And we must have been, what, 16? Yeah. And we listened... Well, we can check, because it was the year that The Fly came out. Was it? And we went to see The Fly. Did we? Yeah. It was the last day of half term. Really? And we went to see The Fly at the Odeon Marble Arch. 
putting in the Fly UK release. But to cut a long story short, 87. 87, there you go. So, so we, we were last like 17. Yeah, 17, nearly 18. We got very, 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 very drunk. We drank irresponsibly. And we danced to License to Ill. I think we stayed up all night. And then I remember you, me and Louis staggering through the early morning streets. And then I remember Louis leaning over yeah. and vomiting yeah. so profusely that there was a, a, a continuous stream of he vomit connected. between the pavement and his mouth. Yeah. And he wasn't even sitting on the curb. He was just standing up, bent over, and there was a continuous... As if he was resting his mouth on a Greek puke column. <laughs> in fact, it, it became known as the column of vomit, didn't the it? The column of vomit. Because he was quite a puker in those days, I think. He, it, yes, it definitely came back fast. And he did it in a very sort of loose, nonchalant way. Right. Like, it wasn't a big deal. He wasn't like, oh, my God, oh, my God, am I going to... He's just like, hang on a second. <laughs> Call him a vomit. <laughs> and then it's like, yeah, OK, let's get on the tube. Yeah. And uh, it was sort of impressive. It was impressive. In it was a way. the beginning of an extraordinary career. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, I'll relive those happy memories with the Beastie Boys book. Right, one last item left on the agenda, and that is the doodle story. How far are we going to get through it? Now, you know I spoke to Simon Pegg about this. Right, I did hear that, yeah. He was careful not to divulge all the details. He didn't want to incur good, the wrath good. of Jaycorn. Mm. But he did contest your assertion that Peter Jackson was in the room. This was right. in a, a meeting room in Los Angeles during the production of Tintin and the Unicorn. Tintin, The Adventures of Tintin and the Secret of the Unicorn, the classic motion capture family adventure film, yeah. written by Stephen Moffat, Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Okay, yeah, you guys, you were drafted in when Moffat went and did Moffat had else. to leave to do Doctor Who, uh -huh. so we were drafted in. So we're in Giant Studios, near the beach in Los Angeles. I'm fresh off the boat. I, I remember how I said it last night. <laughs> I'm telling it in exactly the same way. And in the room are Steven Spielberg... Joe Cornish, Edgar Wright, Simon Pegg, and Nick Frost, and possibly Peter Jackson. It's contested whether he was there. Pegel the door down. suddenly opens. Yeah. In comes Tom Cruise, the cruiser. No one contests that. No. He immediately scans the room, sees that I'm the one person who he's never met. Goes, hey, I'm Tom. Looks me right in the eye. I shake his hand. I'm very excited. He sits down. I'm starstruck. I'm thrilled by because we used so to love to Tom me. Cruise. Used to back in the day. Mission Impossible, Fallout. Love it. Got to be the film of 2018 when yeah, it comes no, to blockbusters. I've said it before. I really do like them. But but I mean, we though from Risky Business onwards, that was the stuff. Outsiders. Of our, yeah, I was I was digging him in the Outsiders. We, All the right moves. And we didn't even know that he was a bit of an odd bod back in those days. I 
think he's a wonderful man. So, in he comes. He shakes my hand. He sits down next to me. The meeting continues. There's business talk around the table. Yeah. And Tom notices that I'm doodling on a piece of paper. I'm doodling Snowy the dog. Okay, that's where we got to last Christmas, isn't yeah. it? Okay, this is new territory. It's exciting. And, oh, my Lord. I just want to make it go on for as long as possible. You're doodling because you're nervous. No, I just doodle. I do. It's one of my things. Joy, I'm, a, just I'm do- very creative. Sometimes you, jo- I just do the, you just doodle. I do the doodle, doodle. with Betty Goodall. You Goodle. know, he does a bit of a doodle. So I'm doodling Snowy the dog, and I've drawn three of his legs. Mm-hmm. But the front right paw... I've yet to connect the two lines that form the outside edges of his front right leg. Tom sees the doodle of Snowy. He leans next to me. He says, is that your doodle? I say, yeah, that's my doodle. That's a good doodle. Thanks, man. Is that Snowy the dog? Yeah, that's Snowy. He says, can I doodle? I'm like, yeah, sure you can doodle. He takes my pen. Is this when he was five? That's how Tom talks. He's very enthusiastic and directional. Yeah. This is, that is what he said. Yeah. He said, can I doodle? I said, yes, sure, man, have a doodle. So he takes the pen and he, he starts to connect the two lines of Snowy's leg. But instead of drawing a paw, he draws a black square. Okay. As if he's sort of worried about doing an actual foot or being judged about the foot that he's the drawing. The quality of the poor hamster. Or, or that he's thinking, I don't know this guy. I'm Tom Cruise. I'm doodling. I don't want to do anything that gives anything away about me or the quality of my doodle abilities. This is simply my conjecture. Uh-huh. But, but This is you as a qualified psychotherapist. <laughs> a fully qualified psychotherapist. But Snowy had three fully formed poor feet. Yep. Like a dog. Tom gave him a black square instead of a paw. (laughs) And that is where the story must end for this Christmas. Are you insane? (laughs) No. Christmas must be looked forward to by the whole family. (laughs) (laughs) And this is how to do it. Simon intimated (laughs) that the end of this story might not be worth waiting for. He's wrong. He's jealous of the story. He knows he doesn't have a better story, despite all the films he's been in, all the famous people he's met. He has no story that can match the Tom Cruise doodle story. That's why he pours scorn on it. So that's, that's your Christmas present. <laughs> Listener. It was a twisty. For, for you didn't 2018, expect- <laughs> you get, and he drew a small black square. Bye. <laughs> This is an advert for Squarespace. I took one look at that website, and I knew that the woman I have been living with is not my wife. I'd never been any good with computers, so when I showed the website that I had built to sell my paintings to Tom, he just refused to believe that I had made it. And he started telling people that the government had taken his wife and replaced her with an AI. But Debbie had made the website herself. After hearing an advert on a podcast, she had visited squarespace.com slash Buxton and done a free trial. They had all these professional-looking templates there, so I chose one I liked, and I started typing into it. And then I 
dragged in some pictures, I uploaded a video, before I knew it, I had a website. I've seen the Matrix. I know that you need big green numbers and a long leather coat to build a website. It's just not that easy. But it was that easy. And when Debbie decided she wanted to purchase her new website, she remembered the offer code from the podcast. I typed in Buxton and I saved 10%. I was jumping up and down and shouting in your face at Tom. And it was around then that he started with the conspiracy theory. Why don't you go to squarespace.com slash Buxton, Tom? And you could see how easy it is to build your own website. Because that's exactly what they want me to do. Continue. It's Welcome back, Christmassy Podcats. Hope you enjoyed that. Joe Cornish there. Thank you very much to Joe for his time and his wonderful gifts. Always quite like a surprisingly thoughtful gift giver. I felt a bit bad that I didn't give him anything more decent. He actually gave me a couple of other things as well. A Leroy Hudson anthology and album by Diodato. Diodato 2. It's both very good if you like that sort of jazz funk type music. Anyway, really good to see Joe. Always good to see Joe. You know, always just makes me think, boy, I wish we could still hang out on a much more regular basis. But he's busy with his stuff, and I cannot wait to see The Kid Who Would Be King. I haven't seen it yet. I was invited to a screening a couple of weeks back, but... um, couldn't do it because oh yeah it was family things uh children having sports fixtures and things like that but i can't wait to see it in february when it comes out so i hope you're having a nice day listeners whether you're infused with the christmas spirit or not whether you're listening to this on the 25th of december 2018 or sometime thereafter But look, I said I was going to read out a couple more messages that we got at the end. Um, And as I said, you know, I don't normally read out stuff that people send in. But here's a couple of uh, kind of Radio 2-ish messages that caught my eye and thought, ah, that'll be nice for Christmas. This one is from Adam Young. And he says, Dear Adam, my partner Laura and I live and work for an NGO in Borneo and are both loyal podcasts. In October, we were trekking deep within the ancient rainforest of Danum Valley. As we clambered to the top of a waterfall and gazed out... Are you sure you weren't playing Tomb Raider? As we clambered to the top of a waterfall and gazed out across the primeval vista, I took a knee and asked Laura if she would join me in the archaic tradition of marriage and become my wife, to which she responded in your nasal tones, My wife. I cherish the fact that despite finding ourselves in one of the planet's last remaining wildernesses, we were accompanied by you all along. Festive tidings to you and Joe. Love from Adam Young. Thanks, Adam and Laura Bryan. And congratulations. Sounds as if you're going to be married, if I understood the message correctly. Well, it's really fun, easy and relaxing being married. So um, have a great time. Rosie! Ah, uh, she's bouncing. Here she comes. It's a Christmas fly pass from the hairy bullet. Listen. Like a 
thoroughbred horse. Like a tiny, hairy, thoroughbred horse bullet. That's what Rosie's like. All right, one more message before I bid you farewell. And, uh, oh yeah, this is just a nice message. This is just from Bex. Hello, Dr. Buckles. No anecdotes from me. Just a very warmly wished Merry Christmas and thank you. I love your podcast. It's an absolute pleasure whomever you talk to. Anyway, by way of a thank you, I've made a donation in your name to the MS Society. Excellent organization. Did a Bowie Bug show for them earlier this year. Um, Bex concludes, Merry Crimbles to you, Rosie and all the family. I get three kisses. Thanks, Bex. What a kind message. Merry Christmas to you. And to all of you listeners, thank you very much for listening this year. Thanks to Matt Lamont for his edit whiz bottery on this episode. Really appreciate it, Matt. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you so much to Seamus Murphy Mitchell. He's got a lot on his plate and he does this as like an extra duty in his life. And he puts a lot of work into it and I really am very grateful to him. If you're listening, Seamus, thanks, man. I'm Uh, We're both too awkward to say these kinds of things in real life. But um, I'm giving you a hug. I'm getting a small stool and I'm standing on it in order to make it possible for me to give you a hug because you're so tall. But thanks a lot, man. And um, I wish you all the best for 2019. As I do all the people who have been on the podcast and helped with the podcast. And uh, all of you for listening. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Acast for their continued support in all sorts of ways. Much appreciated. Okay, that's enough, I think. Hey, take care. Until we meet again in 2019. Uh, I think the podcast will be back. I've got to get back to writing. I've really been shirking my writing responsibilities and I think my editor's getting quite sad. So I've got to spend a few months doing that, but hoping to come back with regular episodes in April of 2019 got some good guests lined up for you. Until then, I love you.